You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. show off some Spanish. The only problem is the Spanish he learned was prison Spanish. And so, you know, he was trying to express a point and he used a word that was about that big in Spanish. You could, all the air was sucked out of that little bit. And I thought we were all going to pass out from the lack of oxygen because he was like, whoa. And then Barry, you know, we talked like this. And I was like, at the end of the service, because he felt that. I said, I said, I said Barry, listen, because we're about to go to Mexico and Monterrey where they were super Pentecostal. They were the Pentecostals of the Pentecostals over there. And um, I said, Whatever you do, don't speak Spanish, okay? Um, well, I learned it in prison. Yeah, that's probably why we shouldn't. You didn't learn it in church. So, so yeah, he used, like, this huge word. It was hilarious. You know, people took it understood. But anyway, so I met, you know, Bear and I were running, and then we wanted to, this, you know, Lord, Lord planted in our hearts to, to these to these meetings in Mexico where we'd have, um, you know, pastor sessions in the morning, and then in the evening we'd have these, you know, full services, two services, and it was a kind of a mini convention type thing, you know, pattern. We put a little one together, it was Bear and I, and I said, well, we need a, another speaker. He said, well, I know Dennis Burke, and I had, I had known of Dennis, because at the meetings, you know, we knew of him, he was one of the speakers always, but I didn't know him. Now, well, that's be cool, so, you know, again, um, he, he brought us, and the first time I met him was actually in Mexico City, and then I didn't know how to act, because you were like, don't talk to the prophets or whatever, and I'm like, okay, this guy, you know, so. But then I found out he was just one of us, so it was really cool, and he likes tacos, and, and then you can share some taco stories if you want, but there was another bear story where he, Bear Morgan ate 42 tacos. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is it 41 tacos? No, 48. 48 tacos. 48. <laughs> in a play, place called Super Salsa. You know the ones with that metal chairs or the Corona chairs? That's the best ones. You know? um, yeah, Barry ate 48 tacos. And that, that was a, in Puebla. Yeah. Been ministering together. Um, you know, in the Ukraine and Mexico. And one of the reasons all the work... President of ICFM was was Dennis, and you know that's the reason we ended up in Ukraine. So he was, you know, if he had not approved that, we would have not gone. So thank you for approving our first mission trip. So you know he's been an integral part of our ministry, and we did all these conventions for over ten years, big conventions, you know, in Mexico, um, well attended sometimes, you know, but we were, you know, up a thousand people, and it was a big money ticket. You know, we did it for ten years. The Lord said stop, we stopped, but I think every one of them you were there. You didn't miss since '99. Yeah. You were there till 2009, every single meeting. So anyhow, I could go on and on about our friendship for us. He likes the same things I like, motorcycles and photographs. And we have some, you know, crazy motorcycle stories where he had, like, the nice bike with the heater, and I didn't, so I almost died. But that's another story. So please stand up and give a warm welcome to my friend, my brother, a longtime friend here. He's not a guest. He's family. Dennis Burke. Stay standing just for a moment. I'm on. Praise the Lord. 
I believe that God has ordered all of our steps. I believe God has some things in store for us in these days that is going to be dramatic. It's going to be challenging. It's going to increase our lives. It's going to move us in directions that we've hungered for. And I think this, I think that every single one of us have the same interests really in being here in, in certain ways. We have an interest of growing up in the things of God. We want to have God's fresh life in our life. And we want to see the progress that we can make and have the blessing of God on our life. Does that interest you? Isn't that what we're hungry for? We want to know that God is not only a good God, which we believe, but that he's moving and doing something in our life. And that we're headed in a direction that is going to bear good fruit. And so uh, I want us to set our faith together for something to happen today that moves us in that direction. Great time of worship this morning. I'm always glad to be able to come back here and be a part of what God's doing here at Faithway. But here we are in the presence of the Lord, and I want us just to lay hold on something together in the name of Jesus. So lift your hands if you're given to that, and just let the Holy Spirit do something for you right now. Father, here we are in your presence, and we're so grateful for the blessing and the goodness of God in our life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have honored us with your presence and I ask right now that there is a free flow of your Holy Spirit, just like we've been experiencing in our worship, that this would continue in the ministry of the Word, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would flow freely, and that each one of us would increase and find a, a place of peace and authority in Jesus flowing right now in the name of Jesus. So let that power of God and that encouragement of the Holy Spirit be strong and powerful in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, shout a praise to the Lord. Would you do that? Glory to God. All right, go ahead and be seated. Hey, Monica. Oh, hey there, beautiful. Praise the Lord. Have a little, little greeting going on here. Praise God. We are in the most amazing days these days. And we always have been. We've been in the last days now. The Bible calls the last days, the days that we're in. The last days actually began in the book of Acts when the day of Pentecost had fully come and the Holy Spirit came and, and the Apostle Peter got up to preach after that experience in the upper room and said, this is that that the prophet Joel prophesied, that in the last days certain things would happen. And so you come to understand that the last days began in the book of Acts, but you also know this, that these are the last of the last days. There are so many things going on, and I think as the body of Christ we have to be aware of our place and our responsibility to take hold of what is taking place so that we stay on the front line and cutting edge of what God wants to do and that we don't get swept away in the tide of current events or current culture. 
God's called us to a place of power and victory. And you've experienced it if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you can experience it in a big way in the days to come. I want to jump in right into the middle of something here. Uh, and I want to read a statement to you that Jesus made. And I want to talk to you about the power that God has given every one of us to walk in and experience that I call the power of encouragement. Let me read this statement to you that Jesus made in John chapter 16. Before I read it though, let me position this with where, where we're at. This is right at the end of the ministry of Jesus. Before he was just going to be arrested just in a short while uh, he's gathered together with his disciples. They've been together for a period of three plus years. And now he knows this is going to be the final time that he has to teach his disciples in this kind of an environment. The disciples didn't realize how, how things were escalating and happening at the moment that Jesus is teaching these things. But here's what you can know. Those vital things that he's way. Everything was going to change in the next few days for all of humanity as Jesus went through what he did in the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. And so he is capturing the final things. And you know. When you're having a final conversation with somebody and about to shift some things, you're going to focus on the things that are primary and most important and capsulize everything that you've been doing. And that's what he's been doing here in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And so we're right at the end of what he's saying when he says this in John 16, 15. I'm going to read this from the passage. That's why I say the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. I want you to hear this terminology, the divine encourager, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We understand that when you're born of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, that there are many things that he does on an ongoing basis. But I want you to hear this terminology because divine encourager is one of the primary concepts of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And if we're going to walk in the Holy Spirit, we're going to learn not only to be encouraged, but we're going to learn how to be an encourager. Encourager, and he said this, he's going to take what is mine and he's going to reveal it to you. The work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus reveals so many things and have Jesus. Us. 
that will not only encourage and we need some clarity in these days. And try to move us off target of who we are and where we're going. And man, we're not going to have it. Say it out loud, I'm not going to have it either. You know, there's lots of voices out there. I had the Holy Spirit say something to me a few months ago now. He said, the season has changed. Song of Solomon, the second chapter, where it says exactly that. Using again the Passion Translation, the season has changed and the barren winter is over. Something about those two phrases went off on the inside of me. It's over. To discourage and stop us from moving in the directions that God has for us. And yet the Spirit of God wants to declare to you and me right now today that the, the, change, the season of change has come and the barren winter is over. That can be, mean a lot of different things. It can be a health issue. It can be a financial issue. It can be a job situation. It can be a family issue. Whatever the season has been, the pressure has been, the barrenness has been, that idea I want you to say it out loud. The season has changed. The barren winter is over. And I receive divine encouragement for these days that I'm in, in Jesus' name. Jesus went on to say some things. Pastor Kelvin and I were just talking about a little bit of this last night or yesterday afternoon. But um, at the end of this 16th chapter, he says this. Again, in the Passion Translation, he said, Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Now then listen to this. He said, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble, sorrows, or pressure, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Glory to God. Jesus was saying this statement to them about the darkest time of his ministry. The mob was gathering right now to have him arrested and start the whole process that would bring him to the crucifixion and and his murder, really, from from their standpoint. All 
the dark clouds are gathering. And it didn't look like on the outside he had conquered anything. And yet he said this to his disciples. Now the disciples didn't know all that was taking place, but Jesus did. And he said, be of good cheer or be encouraged or be courageous and know this, I have conquered the world. In the middle of real trouble, in the middle of real heartache, or in the middle of real pressure, the thing we have to keep in mind first and foremost is Jesus has already paid the price for my victory in heart. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. He said, be of good cheer or be courageous, this translation says. I have conquered the world. Courage is one of those things that I've talked about. And I've probably talked about it here before. But it's one of those things that God brings me back to frequently. To understand how powerful it is and how important it is to be courageous. God told Joshua this when he was going into the land of promise. You remember Joshua had taken over leadership of Israel at the death of Moses. They were still in the wilderness. And they all knew that the promised land was just across the river. And now God has told Joshua, be strong and be courageous because you're going to lead Israel into this land. Be strong. Apparently it's not only to be strong. It is also to be courageous. Which includes being consistent. But courage. And still have. Uh, some uncertainty. Spirit of God. And he said, You can be courageous or learn to follow your heart and not just your head by reasoning things out. You know, sometimes you can reason yourself right out of faith. You can reason yourself right out of victories. There's all kinds of... ...is contradictory to the promise. And we have to determine that we're going to live by the authority of the word and not only by the reasoning of our head. Following your heart and not your head. You know, courage is one of those things, you know it when you... Hard to define unless you start to dig in like we're doing today. But the firefighter running into a burning building has to 
has to have an ingredient going on on the inside of them beyond their training. It is courageous to run into the fire when others are running out. It takes courage for the law man or... Other things I know, but it takes courage. It takes following something on the inside that you have cultivated and developed. And that's really at the heart of what I believe courage is all about. But there's another concept that came out of a dictionary that I have that uh, defined courage this way, that courage was to have a buoyant spirit. I like that. A buoyant spirit. You know what buoyancy is, something that floats. You bring it under the water, let it go, and right back to the top it comes because it's buoyant. And that really helps me understand what courage does on the inside of us. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm running into the fire, but it does mean that when pressure comes, and, and in our case, when Satan comes with a strategy to take, We learn how we are not God has for us. That's what our heart really is all about, isn't it? It's not just about following whatever is out there to follow. It's about following what God really has designed for us. And uh, that's what Jesus was positioning for his own disciples. Only once verse 36 when he was around the disciples and in the early church these are the earliest days of the church and this man Joseph who was a generous man a giver and, and that There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. Now watch this. Barnabas got his name this way. They nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. That's what his name actually meant. And uh, he was of the tribe. That Barnabas got his name from the apostles Given him that as a nickname. Why do you think they thought it was a good idea to nickname him as the son of encouragement? Well, it seems pretty clear to me that he... And you're going to get encouraged. Something positive. Something that really blesses your life, man. People love and encourage her. I'm glad you're enthusiastic about this. 
moment they come in, it's like they suck all the oxygen out. They're like the dark cloud has just come into the into the. Being an encourager, they seem to always have a criticism, a cutting word, a complaint, something that just drags the room down. Even if you're just the only one in the room. But then there's people that are on the other end of that spectrum. People that are probably like Barnabas is an encourager. Complimentary, that is, a feel-good moment. Not fake, but real. And yet there's a perspective that an encourager has, a man like Barnabas. A perspective they have that they have found a key to having something positive to impart to somebody when they see him. And they make is a way that. Encouragement is one of the most powerful assignments any Christian has that God has given them. That they are an encourager. Everybody, anybody can think and see things to complain about. The Bible is clear about this, that we are not to be complainers. in a service be filled with people that are complainers maybe one or two slipped in here today so I didn't come to complain about you I came to encourage you but it's it's real and it's a real ministry of the Holy Spirit We want to be encouragers ourselves. So I want you to listen to this about Barnabas. Chapter 11, verse 22 says this. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Throughout the rest of scripture in the book of Acts, we have him in several places. And in each case, he is encouraging somebody. He even encouraged the apostle Paul. In fact, he encouraged Paul to join up with the other apostles in, in Paul first getting active in the things of God and following the assignment that God had for him. Barnabas was a key figure that brought Paul into that relationship and encouraged Paul and those other apostles to join together. He was, he was a connector. So powerful. And it's something that every person can make a determination. They're going to be also, and that is an, encourage, an encourager. 
encourage encouragement. It's not only important in a church setting or with other. That you find a way to position things to build somebody instead of cut them. Vicky's my wife, and she's developed quite a habit that even when she's out and about, maybe at a store, at a market, at a Walmart, God bless Walmart. But she'll regularly have a moment where she just sees somebody or has, has a, a sense that she... Just wanted to say something positive here for the moment. I mean, just a spark of the Spirit of God. Just find something positive to say to somebody. Hey, just want you to know, well, you're looking great today. Or uh, those are those are some amazing looking. Today and. that just lifts a person and gives them a moment that they remember. You can be an encourager, but you have to make a decision that that's what you're going to do. Words are going to either build people up or they're going to tear people down. And you've got to decide how you're going to use your words. Not only is Barnabas an encourager, but there's a reality that everybody, everybody needs encouragement. You need it. I need it. People around us need it. And you will always be in the right when you choose to be an encourager and bless people. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that he is the divine encourager, and I want to encourage you to be the same as him, a divine encourager. But I, I want to read something to you that the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 4, we'll begin reading here in just a moment, but obviously 2 Corinthians just reminds you that there is a 1 Corinthians. I know that's not deep, but I just want to bring it up. But the first letter to the Corinthians that Paul wrote was, uh, was corrective in a lot of ways. Paul had that relationship with the church at Corinth, and as an apostle he had seen and understood things that were needing correction and needing to be addressed and he was just not all corrective but there were some pretty rough things that he had to he had to address that were going on in the church and it was his role by the spirit of god to bring that correction And it could have gone several ways for the Corinthians with Paul. Some people 
they get any word of correction at all from the ministry and uh, if they don't like it, they just disconnect. Said, I'm not, I'm not here for that. And they could have just completely disconnected from Paul and said, you're not going to address us that way. We're just... Not everybody has the ministry of correction. I'm not sure correction is a ministry, although we know the Holy Spirit brings correction. It is not our primary primary purpose to bring correction. No, our primary, according to what we get from the Holy Spirit, is to be an encouragement. People need courage to walk with God, but at times God does bring correction. But I'll just go ahead and say it this way. It's very likely, not 100%, but it's very likely God has not given you that assignment as often as you thought he had. I'm glad you're excited about that too. But Paul had brought correction was the point, and, and now he's writing a second letter, and apparently the Corinthians had received that correction and had made the adjustments because they... ...needed the correction and it bore fruit. chapter, he said, I don't want you and then he said this that he has delivered me, he does deliver me, and he will continue to deliver me. It's a very powerful start to this letter in uh, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. But then he gets down to some details in chapter 7 that are a little bit surprising almost to hear from Paul unless you uh, really get a hold of this, and, and I know you are, but watch this. In verse 4 he said, I have the highest confidence in you, which is amazing now after realizing the correction that he had to bring. Now he's saying to them, I have confidence in you. What a word of encouragement that would be by itself. And then he goes on, he said, I take great pride in you. <coughs> you have greatly encouraged me and made me happy. Now this is an interesting statement. Despite all of our troubles. He acknowledged they had had trouble. He knew they had had trouble with Paul and Paul had had trouble with them. And he said, in spite of all of our troubles, he said, you have made me happy. I don't know, that just makes me happy to read. But then here's the why I wanted to come to this verse. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We, had, we faced conflict from every direction. Everybody say every direction. You ever felt like you had things coming at you from every direction? Yeah, I have too. And so did Paul. He said we had conflict coming from every direction. But now watch this phrase. He says, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. When I first really read that and the Holy Spirit pointed it out to me, it actually, it actually almost took my breath. I thought, wait a minute. This is the Apostle Paul. You don't expect him to have fears on the inside 
This is the great apostle Paul. Battles on the outside, yes, and he knows what to do about those battles. Some of those battles that he found himself in, he was in by his own doing. And did and will, glory to God. Battles on the outside, you read through Acts and you see. his own soul and he said in fear on the inside now look he wasn't caving into the but he acknowledged that there was a strategy being used against him to create fear on the inside he doesn't give us a lot of info as to what that fear was exactly or what those fears were but And he tells us what it is. He said there was fears on the inside trying to get a hold of him. Yeah. But then verse 6 is the pivot and the change that I want you to see. And this is why we're reading this. In verse 6 he said, but God. Everybody say, but God. But. Everything changes now that there's a but God into the, into the mix. But God who encourages those who are discouraged. He acknowledges that ministry of the Spirit of God. But watch this. He encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. It wasn't by an angel. It wasn't by a divine visitation. It was by a man named Titus. Just rejoicing in the Lord. Let me say it again, but God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. What I want you to hear is that there's several things here. Encouragement from the Lord didn't come only by the Holy Spirit, but now we find encouragement came by a man named Titus. God uses people to bring encouragement. And my message to you is that God wants to use you not only to be encouraged, but to become a Barnabas or a Titus yourself. It's an assignment that God has. And if everybody needs encouragement, then everybody needs you to take on your part of this assignment. To be the voice of encouragement. It's not all that hard necessarily. Now, Titus, we don't have a lot of information, but he did encourage Paul by telling him what was going on in some places and the fruit of the ministry, and that encouraged Paul. But I, what I want you to recognize is that there is a step you can take that I believe God is pulling all of us into to step up into a higher level of participation in the kingdom of God right now. And one of the ways you step into a higher level of participation is by taking on the assignment to not only be encouraged, but to be an encourager. Everybody, anybody can be an encourager, and it's not always... A number of years ago now, 
In fact, it's probably been about eight and a half years ago now. But man, we were in a season that, a time, it wasn't a season, it was just a brief time. Attack of the devil, but you know you're in. And you're doing what you know to do, and you're doing what the word tells you to do, but we weren't seeing anything shift. And we're not novices, man. We've been at it a long time. Make a difference in the past in situations in our life, but. This thing was heavy, it was serious, it was very threatening, and it was like, uh, we need relief and we need something to happen. And uh, maybe over a week at this point, really into this intense pressure. And suddenly I get a text. I've never texted him and he's never texted me. I've known, had known him for a number of years. I preached for him quite a few years earlier and really hadn't heard from him. I text him, he doesn't text me. Perfect friendship. <laughs> okay, not really. There is nothing he wouldn't do for me and there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. And so we continue to do nothing for each other for years. Oh. All right, don't take that too seriously, please. It, it was detailed over some things. It was some things the Holy Spirit had shown him to... Be an encouragement to me and some things that he saw for the pondered it, meditated on it since then many times. But it was the first to do something dramatic in Vicky and me both. It wasn't this entire entire prophetic word that he had, it was these first few words when he said. I have found myself praying for We hadn't reached out to pray for us. We were dealing with at that point. To be in prayer, he was sensitive to the Spirit of God. To nothing about and didn't really know the ins and outs of any of this that we were facing. And yet God tagged him to pray for us. And what you know is that if one person texts you, there are many others that God has. God releases something to 
I found myself praying for you over the last few days. The anointing of God really came on Vicki and me. You feel like nobody knows the trouble that I'm in and the trouble that I'm facing. But we know that's not true. We know God does know, obviously. With us. Even over things they do. Uh, language to pray things they know nothing about and they don't have any insight to. And yet God uses them to pray for you. To us. It so lifted us. Those simple words in that moment the Holy Spirit used to rush in and just. Tagged people to stand with us. And it so encouraged us. Shift in that instant. What we looking back. Two days. That whole incident was over. Oh, I know he was using, God was using the word. Outside, but fear trying to. Fear. And you realize that we have a reason to believe that God delivers me and delivers Vicki. And that we have the right to move forward, and we did in the name of Jesus. It was powerful. Amen. And it came from God using somebody to send a text. Now, that may not be. Your texture is a word. Is that a, is that a word? But, but how many of you understood what I was saying? So it's a word now. And it's not important whether you are or whether you're not. What's important is that you recognize that with just a very brief word, you can have a huge impact. Getting a phone call one day from John Osteen, Joel Osteen's daddy that's been in heaven now many years. Powerful man of God. And many years ago, he called Charles on the phone. Charles picked up the phone and he said, Charles, this is, this is John. Just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Love you. Be blessed. Bye. Click. And that was it. No commentary. No discussion. It was just that. But you know it hit Charles at a time that obviously meant a lot to him. Because he was sharing this long after it had happened. It had marked him to realize that. God had tagged John Osteen to just let him know a word of encouragement. People are not really note writers all that much anymore, sending a card, sending something to somebody. 
but there was a time when we used to write notes. How many of you ever wrote a note to somebody? Just to, of course. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a pathetic number of people. But in their heart, they were. Reminds me of a conversation I had with a guy, a college guy, a few years ago. He had said something about using an ATM, and I told him, I said, you know, I've never used an ATM. I don't like ATMs, personally. It's just a personal thing. I said, I've never used an ATM. And he just laughed. He said, that's all right. I've never written a check. <laughs> all right, that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So it's not right or wrong, it's just different. So let me give you a couple of ideas before I wrap up here. And, and I want you to hear this statement from the book of Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 where he says this. This is the New Century Version. It reads this way, it said, But encourage each other every day while it's called today. We're word people around here, man. We believe that God gives us direction and he's given us an assignment that's pretty crystal clear. Be an encourager every day. Are we doing that? Well, if not, you can start right now. You find out how to encourage somebody and somebody, you know, you always can have that thought in your mind, well, what's that going to mean to somebody? I mean, they're just going to dismiss it. That's not my style. I don't do that. And you can stay in your shell and excuse yourself from participating or you can take the assignment that here we have in writing, Hebrews 3.13, encourage. Every month, he said, here, do something every day. The point is, you cultivate a habit of thinking and cultivate so you learn. Correct them, but you are looking to encourage them. takes me to a quote that Vic and I found a number of years ago from Douglas MacArthur, the great general in the Second World War. And uh, he in war can be summed up with two words. Too late in realizing the mortal danger. Too late in preparedness. Too late. This last one is why I've positioned this here. This addresses so many. Too late in standing with one's friends. Now, on national scales or on global scales, you can realize he would have been addressing issues globally, possibly, with that. But this really, this statement really addresses every person, even on an individual basis. The history of failure 
in the battles that people are going through can be summed up with the same two words, too late. Too late in standing with a friend. Lord, without knowing anything like this guy sending me a text, and yet if you don't do it, then they live without your input and the encouragement that the Spirit of God wanted to use you to bring. Too late in standing with one's friends. It's powerful, isn't it? Sometimes encouragement goes beyond just a thinking about you or praying for you, and it goes a little deeper where Paul gives us a window in it. In Romans, the first chapter, he said, I long to visit you so I can bring you some some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. And I also want to be encouraged by yours. So this wasn't just a... Uh, maybe just uh, thinking about you. Meat in it that he had to impart to those people and he expected something to be imparted to them. There's times that God can give you uh, a scripture. I find that God has really set this in place in me where from time to time Uh, There are people that God just brings up in my mind and I'll be meditating on a verse of scripture and somebody will drift into my mind of ministry that I know, a person that I've been involved with or had something to do with, and I'll just let them know in a text. said, I was meditating on some things. You came to mind today and send them this verse. And I can't tell you how, how often and how many times I've had somebody get back to me and say, That was right on time for me. Thank you so much. It brought some spiritual life to somebody. And it's rooted in the word. You have what it takes to do the same thing, my friend. Can you say amen to that? But here's what we also know. We also know this, that We can be facing things ourselves. And there's no Barnabas coming. There's no Titus on their way. What are you going to do when there is no encouragement coming from the outside or none headed your direction? You're going to take some encouragement from Scripture and from King David who gives us a pattern of something that is really powerful And it happened really before he was king. But he and his entourage of hundreds of of men with their families, they were encamped as they were dodging Saul. And they were encamped outside of the Philistine city of Ziklag and had created a peaceful situation where they could stay there without it causing trouble with these Philistines in Ziklag. But the men one day needed to go out and take care of some business and do some things that was going to take them a couple of days to do. They left the women and children in their encampments and tents and all of the, the small town, really, I guess, village that they had created there. 
while they were gone, the Amalekites came and they burned all of the tents. They took all of the wealth. They captured the women and children, took them as prisoners. And by the time David and his men came back from their campaign over the few days they were gone, everything that those men had, their entire wealth, their families, everything was gone and had been destroyed and burned. And these men were not only discouraged, but they were grieved to the point that they wanted to retaliate on somebody. And David was the one that they had decided was the reason all of this happened anyway. David's the problem. Somehow they missed the idea that it was the Amalekites that had done all of this. But instead of really thinking it through, they were discouraged. And they came at David. So I want to read a statement to you after positioning all of that from 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. Amplified Bible reads this way. David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of all were bitterly grieved. Every man. But they spoke of stoning David as a result of what had happened. So what does David do? He didn't fold up. He didn't just run. It says this, he encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want you to hear those words loud and clear. Himself in the and be courageous. These things go together. We are strong, but we have to be courageous. We have to be buoyant, to use that terminology. Buoyant to rise back up to the top in the midst of real pressure, real trouble, real... Encourage yourself. as possible. Now that's a good first step, don't you think? Lord, this is heavy. This is bad. Just like the Apostle Paul, David had experienced God's delivering power. You remember the story of Goliath and how David came out against Goliath. You know that, that story. He had had that experience and others by this time where he had seen God deliver him over and over and over again. And no doubt he reminded himself that God has been his deliverer in the past. He will deliver me now and he will continue to deliver me in the days ahead. He encouraged himself with his own experiences in God and the promises that God had given through prophets. He encouraged himself. You encourage yourself by going back through the testimonies of what God has already done for you. Or you go back through the scriptures that have 
boosted your life before. We're not pretending that this is not a serious situation, but we are addressing it not with reasoning, but with spiritual encouragement. And we're encouraging ourselves in the Lord our God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, and then he went before the Lord again, and he asked the Lord, just a couple of verses later, he said, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this truth? Shall I pursue that enemy that has done all of this? <clears throat> Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him and said, Pursue, and you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, listen to this, you've heard it before, without fail, you will recover all. What a word from God. Pursue is vital. Overtake Now that was the plan for this. Plan when Jehoshaphat was facing unbelievable odds against him and the uh, Jehoshaphat out on the battlefield, and God told him not to. to the battlefield, position yourself. He told him where to position himself along with all of his armies. And while Jehoshaphat had positioned himself, these three kings and kingdoms that were coming against Jehoshaphat turned against each other. And they ended up annihilating one another before Jehoshaphat even got out on the battlefield. In that case, the battle was finished before he even reached the battlefield. So in his case, it wasn't pursue. It was allow something else to happen before you go out. And by the time he went out, the enemies were all defeated and done. And Jehoshaphat and his army spent the next three days picking up the wealth of all those that had died on the battlefield. The reason I bring that up is there's different ways that we approach what do you want and so many times people jump into a situation without knowing what the Lord really wants now oftentimes though you know what the Lord wants and it's uncomfortable or it's a big shift it's a major change the point I'm making is you want to know that you know that you're following a plan that God has put before you. And it may just be the first step of a plan. You know, oftentimes I look back and I haven't seen an entire plan. I just see a step. Yeah. I don't see everything that's going to take place or every decision that needs to be made. I just see the next thing. Mm -hmm. It's like driving your car at night. You don't see the whole road anymore. You just see a few feet out in front of you because of your headlights. And oftentimes that's how it is following the things of God. You see just enough. And it is. Amen. So we make a declaration. 
We speak what God has said. We encourage ourselves so that we ourselves have a substance to give somebody. So here's the message today for you. Then I want you to stand in a moment and then we're going to pray. To be the voice of encouragement. Say it out loud. I'm vital. I'm to be a voice, be a voice. Of, encouragement. of encouragement. And in the name of Jesus. I am accepting that assignment. And receive what it takes to fulfill it in Jesus' name. But not only are you given the assignment of being an encourager, it's vital that you encourage yourself in the Lord your God right now. So I want you to stand with me if you would. And I want this spirit of the Holy Spirit, the divine encourager, to flood through every single one of us. And remind us, remind you that this is his moment to move in you, to lift from you what Satan has tried to prevail over you with, and to put you in a place of clarity and joy again. The joy of your salvation. Satan's been trying to steal that joy. Let me just tell you, Jerry Sabell has a great little book that came from a message he preached years ago. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. That's a strong word. We encourage ourselves right now that the joy of our salvation is not only real, but it's back, and we receive it in Jesus' name. I want you to stir it up in yourself. Lift your hand right before the Lord and just say it out loud. Oh, God, here I stand. I receive the word today. This is my time to be an encourager, and I receive that assignment, and I also you are the divine encourager. I receive that ministry in the name of Jesus. I want you to put some some joy behind it. Don't just mumble it. I want you to let it loose and put some force into it out of your own spirit. Say it again. That you are the encourager. And I receive the divine encouragement. The season has changed. The the winds are blowing. The barren winter is over. I declare this is my time to step up, step over, and receive in a big way in Jesus' name. I take authority in my own life, in my own house, in my own finances, that tribulation and trouble does not control me. It does not govern me, but in the name of Jesus, I release my faith that the Holy Spirit is my helper, and I receive his help now in the name of Jesus.
Come on now. Hallelujah. In these days of celebrating Jesus, you remember he is our Prince of Peace. And the battle. way to rob you of the peace that Jesus brought, then he has succeeded. You know, it's too late to take you to hell, isn't it? Well, that wasn't very encouraging to hear, but uh, let me just ask it again a different way. It's too late for you to go to hell, don't you think? Haven't you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Satan's not going to drag you to hell. It's too late. Satan can't have me. I'm not going back to anything. I got out of stuff that Satan had me wrapped up in, and I'm out. And I'm staying out. But if Satan can find a way to steal your peace, Jesus said, I've come to do what I do so that you would have peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Peace is not just... ...force that will reside on the inside of us but it will overwhelm whatever has come to steal your peace encouragement has come into this house and it's come into your mouth in the name of Jesus that this is my time to be to know it's true you don't have to feel it to have it working. We're not going to allow our feelings to dictate to us what we know God is doing, but we do receive in the name of Jesus. Say it out loud. I do receive. I, do receive. I, am, a I am a receiver. The joy is back. The peace is here. Encouragement has come. The divine encourager is here. And I receive it all in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Come on, shout another praise to the Lord. Amen. Well, before I hand the service back to Pastor Kelvin, let me let you know, I've, as always, thank you, sir. I brought a variety of materials. These are going to make great Christmas gifts if you're stumped for what to give somebody. too. I like that. But there's a variety of things. Let me mention to you a book that I wrote in. This will be a powerful tool to help you keep your identity straight as to who you are now. It's not only what Jesus has your identity that you are in Christ you're no existence because you're in Christ and it it is a redefining of your life and this will help that happen in your life so I encourage you to get this or get it for somebody else a variety of other materials that are there take the time to check it out and see how the Holy Spirit would direct you to Either give these as a gift or give.
gift yourself something to bless your own life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So take advantage of that. Let it be a blessing to you. Pastor Kelvin, I'm, as always, delighted to be able to come back. Love you. Love your family. Love the ministry here and what God's done. And so glad we've been friends for 20, how long? Four. 24, 24 years. 24 years. Yeah, that's, that's worth a lot. That's, that's worth a lot, yeah. Yeah, it is. So thank you, my brother. I love you and bless you. Be blessed. Merry Christmas. You may be seated for a moment. Get my mic. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis, for that word. See those preachings? Like, I almost want to do, like, part two of that. All right. I want to just share something. Somebody needs to hear this one. It's, he wasn't that scripture, but I was, when he was there, I was in the Passion Translation. Like, um, and it just really kind of, maybe it's a word for somebody. So, you don't have to go there. Let me just read so. Back to 2 Corinthians 7. Man, it was like so, you know, the whole context of what he was talking about. And yes, you know, he's he's referring to specific situations. But I want you to listen to this, you know, because this is passion, I believe. Yeah, it says, so even after we came, verse 5, to province of Macedonia, we found no relief. We were restless, exhausted. Troll met us at every turn. Outwardly, I faced conflicts. And listen to what passion says. And inwardly, emotional turmoil. It changes yeah. a little bit. Right. You know, sometimes fear, we want to put fear in one category. But then, you know, here it kind of widens it because it's about emotional turmoil. But listen, from the, I mean, from the Passion Translation... ...Christian taboo thing that I'm going to just mention it briefly. says, the God who always knows how to encourage the... Depressed. Yeah. That's he, he, he calls it out. And sometimes, you know, we want to act like depression is not a thing. It is. It is. And if somebody, and Paul talks about dealing with this. And if you keep reading, <laughs> he says, the encouragement came by Titus, but listen to what the encouragement that Titus was bringing. It wasn't just, hey guys, I'm here to tell you you're going to be all right. He says, the Titus, the, the encouragement was, we were relieved not only to see him, Okay, we saw our friend, but because of the report he brought us of how you refreshed his heart. There you go. That's good. So Titus showed up, and in a conversation, he got encouraged. Awesome. See that? Yeah. He got encouraged. And that encouragement, you know, we don't know exactly what he was dealing with, but he got encouraged at that point. And he goes back to Paul and says, man, you know, Paul's writing back to them because, of course, they had this conversation. He said, let me just thank you because Titus showed up with all this great energy and great encouragement, but it was because you guys encouraged him. And I think, you know, sometimes when we deal in these times when it's so crazy and, you know, again, you know, you guys remember last year I did a series on mental health and all that, and, you know, it might be time to do another one, but don't ignore these things. And, and again, I'm not, it's not the moment, but here's the thing. Encouragement has a way of dissolving depression. You know, and I'm not going to go down clinicals or all these different things, but, you know, the most stuff that we face is the, you know, you hear the news, you see the situation, you look at your bank account, you look at what the doctor told you, you know, the, you know, the future in front of you. And here's the thing, because I think it's, you know, it's kind of the principle of seed time and harvest, right? As you encourage people, yeah. you will be encouraged. You know, there's scripture in Proverbs, and it's not really, it doesn't really use the word encouragement. It actually talks about giving, you know, if you want to talk about this, but he who refreshes others yeah. will be refreshed. Will be refreshed. You know, so, so this cycle, 
it's always on, you know. And I'm thinking, okay, the Corinthians, you know, they had all this trouble with Paul. That was great. But now at the end, there's some good things happening. You can you read a little further into it. He says, he told us of how you refresh his heart. He told us of your affections towards me. They say, Titus, make sure you let Paul know that we love him. Think about that. They're sending a message of love through Titus. So, so all this encouragement, you know, is, it, it, you know, he just kind of flows through it. He told us of your affection towards me and your deep remorse of how concerned you were for me. Now, the remorse was, this, you know, the, the pressure that truly made my heart leap for joy. So Titus came with the encouragement, but what he was delivering was the encouragement that the Corinthian church was, was saying, hey, make sure you tell him we're praying for him. Make sure you tell him we're here for him. Make sure, you know, we're good. You know, sometimes that's all you got to tell somebody. Yeah, that's true. You know, like he said, just, you know, sometimes I want the Lord to use me, I want the Holy Spirit to use me. Sometimes he'll pop that name in your head. You haven't thought of that person in six months. No, I just thought about him, you know, keep going your way. No, that was the Holy Spirit. There you go. You. There you go. And all you got is this, hey, thinking about you. That's the end. I mean, that's all you got. That's all you got. But that's all, you know, because in this era, of, you know, you can see it even with, uh, I don't want to get on that. You know, soapbox, but the idea of the multimedia, social media, these kids all on their, on their cell phones and all of, all of us, not just the kids. But that has caused this tremendous, you know, if you want to call it a pandemic of loneliness among teenagers, among young people, because their whole world has become this phone. But here's my point. It's not about the phone. It's about the spirit of loneliness is everywhere. Yeah. You can have a family, but, you know, that spirit. And, and sometimes just letting people know that you're thinking about them. You might keep somebody from killing themselves. You don't know the power of these things, you know. And I think this is, thanks for that word. That's the word that we needed, you know, that, that encouragement is something that we just need to be proactive about. And don't ever, my last thing of this, you know, is don't ever let your circumstances take away the fact that you can encourage people. Good. You know, that's just the way it is, you know. When you're going through something, okay, you know, you, you know, that's the thing. But when you express yourself, make sure you're being positive and you're expressing the goodness of God, and you're expressing that it's going to be all right, and, you know, just telling people that you're there for them. Amen? So I just wanted to share that. That was so powerful, Dennis. Thank you so much for the word. Um, I want to let you guys hear pretty quick, but um, there was, um, well, I already mentioned it. I'm not going to quote it, but, well, this is what I had in my heart. <laughs> if you go briefly to Acts chapter 10, um, if you want to, just, just a quick word before we pick up this morning's offering. <laughs> And, um, of course, this is, you know, I want to summarize it, but this is one of the pivotal moments for the early church for us. If you, you know, some of you might not get deep into how church history is put together, but the, the, the you know, the, if you're going to call it the first church, you know, the, the, the original church, the, the, you know, the, the 11, you know, pre-Paul, upper room, did they believe with all their heart that this is for the Jews? They were just right. completely convinced. I mean, they're like, yes, this is it. This is our Messiah. But they had this trouble because they kept running into, well, maybe it's not just for the Jews. They were not, this was not for us. This was not for the Gentiles. You know, Paul was the one that brought us. But here's the thing. There was a man that was completely not Jewish. He was Roman. It was Cornelius. Right. And he has a certain attribute because, you know, he was searching for God. Now, remember, this is a Roman probably has various gods because that's what they practice in Rome. But at some point, he knows there is a truth. And this is, I think I want to bring this in because when, when we give, you know, there's that all well, the money thing, and I, I get it. I'm the first one to, to come against all the nonsense. 
David, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have nothing. Thank God I support myself. That's all I'm going to say, because I can talk about all the people and all the nonsense that goes on in church, but that does not make it wrong. Or does, you know, somebody that does a dumb thing with money in the name of God, it doesn't take away the fact that your lifestyle is connected to God through your giving. Because to God, it's never money. It's influence. There you go. That's all it is. And if your money has influenced Cuba, and they are a little better off today because Faithway exists, that's what he's looking for. He's not looking for money. He's looking, but it, it's money what helps us move that vehicle. You understand? You know, in your life, the same thing. But my point, of, what, what I'm saying is, Cornelius had two attributes working in his life that got the attention of God. Now, what, what amazes me is he's praying to God, but he doesn't really know God. So he's not sure. I'm sure he's, you know, I'm not sure how he figured out that all the other ones weren't the real ones. But he's praying to this God that has no statue, this God that's not an image, this God that's not expressed as an idol on the, on the streets of Greece, you know, or, you know, Jerusalem, wherever he was. He's talking, you know, Paul called him the, the unknown God when he, was in, when he was in Greece. But he says, he's praying and he has a desire for God. He has a desire for the Holy Spirit. There's another attribute that he has. He was a generous man. There's a difference between giving and generosity. Giving is an action. Generosity is a heart condition. That's good. Right. That's all it is. You know, I can give and not feel a thing. Generosity is, is, is coming from a different place. And Cornelius is going, and, the, and I'm just going to keep reading out of Amplified. It says, verse 2 says, A devout man of extraordinary character who worshipped God and prayed regularly together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. So he was a good person. And then he was praying and God shows up and he gives him, the, you know, the angel of the Lord shows up. If you want to come down with me to verse four, he was startled. He overcame with fear of the sight of the angel. He asked, what do you want, Lord? And the angel said, and this has like my whole life has branded me this little scripture because I've always kept it at heart. This is one idea. All your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. All your prayers and your actions to help the poor. And you want to make sure that when you sow, however you sow, there is some connection to that. Right, right. That's all I'm saying. You know, if you're not, if there's a ministry, our ministry, Dennis's ministry, any other ministry that is not somehow affecting poor people somewhere on this planet, I'm not interested. Hello, y'all still here? Blessed are the poor. You can go and try to break up, but he was speaking to the downtrodden. Now, when you say, okay, I'm going to sow into Dennis's ministry, well, his ministry is worldwide. You know, we have, it's a privilege and a friendship, of course, for him to come here. You know, you look at his itinerary, he's all over the map. And his books have gone into Cuba. His books have been in the Ukraine. I've been ministering in hard places in Mexico. One time I tried to deliver him from an ugly hotel. He didn't want to. I left him there. Remember that, that hotel in, where was this? In, it was a coastal town in Mexico. I forget the town now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we saw this hotel. It looked like somebody had been murdered in these rooms. And I looked at it, and I wasn't that broke. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's the hotel that the preachers got him. So I went and got her in a resort, man. We had our little things going, you know. <laughs> you did. <laughs> right. 
And Dennis says, I'll just stay here. I said, dude, I'll pay for your room. So he's a man of God. He suffered through that thing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I know Dennis's heart. He can preach at a, you know, he's preached with, you know, New Zealand, Australia, big churches. But he can go down to Mexico, which he has. Go down to a handful of, of people that cannot give him anything and still be the same man, still preach with the same intensity, stay there, because I've seen him, and we've had these prayer lines, remember, we sit there, service was over, remember that age, service was over at nine, we'd get to the hotel after midnight, because there were so many prayers, so many prayer lines, and guess what, you know, he was, so that humility to me speaks on behalf of that, so, you know, you pray, but you know, don't undermine your giving, don't just say, well, I just posted some money, yeah, I got to give on Sunday, Take it, you know, for, you know, the amount is simply a reflection of your heart. Yeah. God knows where you're at. God says, man, there's people here that can't give anything. Well, God bless you, you know. God will provide. But so the heart issue is between you guys. That's why I, you know, I'm not, I, I don't like auctions. I don't like to put prices. That's auctions because I've been to churches of who gives 100 and who gives 50 and all that nonsense. I don't play those games. Your heart and your prayers. So my question to you, because we could spend a lot of time on this is if you have not developed that generosity in your heart, practice it. And this is the season to practice it, right? Christmas. Um, what is the opposite? I mean, what is the, you know, the reciprocal what would be selfishness? Well, you don't want to be considered yourself a selfish person. I'm not calling anybody selfish. But I think generosity, remember, generosity is not giving. Generosity is simply a heart condition. And the, what it resolved it to me, and those of you that are close to me, you know I could give it all away. I could care less than I have given a lot away. And you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say what, you know, it's between me and the Lord, but, but generosity is resolved when you trust God. Because God will scratch your heart about something. He Maybe he's doing it this morning. And the fear is, oh, if I give this, then I'm going to go without. Well, that's where you gotta, you got to make sure your giving is at your trust level, but maybe a little over. What do I mean by that? Because your trust is like faith, right? You're pushing it. So, you know, whatever God's speaking to you, do what you got to do or do nothing. I mean, to me, like I said, I'm not here to, to pump up an offering, but, I, but, our, but we are here to believe some of these things. And I do believe that my prayers are completely connected to my generosity. Not to some of this nonsense you hear. If you give 100, God will give you this. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. This is, a whole different, this is a whole different depth. This is not give to get and all that nonsense. You're not trying to buy something from God. He's trying to, you're trying to reflect the, the heart of God. Because God, first and foremost, is a giver. That's right. First and foremost, he's been generous to us. He's been generous to you. You know, sometimes, like, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, you can be being in a depressed mode, you can look at your life circumstances, you can say, what a mess. But it only takes a couple minutes to open my eyes and just begin to count my blessings, like, down the list. And you see how quick that depression and that dark thing moves? Because all you got to go back is just a little bit and think about the goodness of God. Yeah, we've gone through some things. We're going through some things. But, yeah, I just keep going back. You know, I'll sit there, you know, and our rams look out, you know, living in a place where I have no neighbors. Glory to God. All these wonderful things. That was the Lord. You know, if it was for me, I'd probably be living, you know, somewhere in Chacon Creek, you know, <laughs> down the road. That's my ability. But God has done so many amazing things. So that's connected to a generous heart. So when God says, hey, I need you to do this, or I need you to do this, I'm like, let's go, Lord. And he's called me on big things. He's called me on big ticket numbers. He's called me on big, you know, the big zeros behind offerings. He's called me on things that I love, from motorcycles to cars to guitars, you name it. We've given them. Because the generous heart is conditioned to trust God. That's all I want to say. 
And if, so the more, whenever you feel fear or apprehension to sow a seed, bring it to the level and practice it. In other words, don't sow a seed, you know, Paul said in, in, in Corinthians, you know, God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful. You guys looked at like you were on jury duty, cheerful, pastor, cheerful, cheerful. Look, the Cowboys don't play till three, so y'all don't have nothing to do for a while, all right? So pray about it this season, not just the church generosity, not just the suffering. You're standing in line somewhere, and God drops in your heart, pay for that person's groceries, or buy somebody groceries, or drop off, go, you know, go buy something and drop it off somebody's house that you probably can't stand. How about that one? He might pull those on you, because that's the way God rolls. That's the way he gets his attention. He's going to come against your ego. He's going to come against selfishness. But he's going to come of it in a, in a loving way, not in a stick-on-your-head way. So this morning, I, don't, and I, could, I could talk a lot about this, but, you know, we're going to pick up one offering. This church is mature enough. We don't have to pick up three, four offerings. But I want you to do one, one thing. You know, if you only brought one offering, you're going to put it on, you know, in speaker, and we're going to um, sew it all into Dennisburg. You know, if you're tithing and so forth, that keeps the church running, pays the bills, electricity, and so forth. But, um... You know, give us something, sow something into Dennis Burke Ministries. If you're giving online, just go down and say speaker. Just click on that one. That way we'll, fund, you know, make sure that money moves that way. Um, if you're putting on a check on your envelope, just put speaker. And again, thank you guys for coming this morning. And again, thank you, Dennis, for all the years of still coming to Hebronville. So um, why don't you all stand with me? I'll get you out of here real quick. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please stop by the, the book table. You know, and... Uh,